0: Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. Now the just shall live by faith. This is how you live. This is your lifestyle. If it's your lifestyle, it's what you do on a regular basis, right? It's not just what you do on Sunday. It's not a moment thing. Faith is not a denomination. Faith is a lifestyle. A lifestyle is what you do on a regular basis. So that means I need to use my faith on a regular basis which means I should be exercising my faith every single day. So first thing we want to know, faith is a lifestyle. Say, faith is a lifestyle. Now how is faith defined? The word faith means belief, say belief, firm conviction, confidence, and assurance. Let's say it again, say belief, firm conviction, confidence, and assurance. Let's look at chapter 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word substance here means foundation or essence. The word substance here means foundation or essence. The word evidence means proof. The word evidence means proof. So faith is the foundation and the essence of things hoped for. It is the proof of things not seen. That word proof also means the title deed. Faith is the substance and the essence of things that you're hoping for. What is hope? Positive expectation. Hope implies it's in the future. Hope implies it's something that you would like to happen to you, right? Faith gives your hope substance. And some of the things you're looking at believing God for this year, where it concerns restoration or anything else, all you have to see it come to pass is faith. Because everybody else would think you're crazy to believe God for something like that during a pandemic. Don't you know there's a pandemic out there? Yes, we all know. Almost every single person on the planet knows there's a pandemic out there. Yes, we are fully aware. But did God say you can believe him for stuff except in a pandemic? So faith is your title deed. And where does faith come from? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So in times like these, the only title deed you may have to what you're believing for is the book. And that has to be enough for you. We'll get more into that in a moment. One of the things we see about faith in verse six is, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that He is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So I like to say it this way, faith is the lifestyle that pleases God. If we want to live a lifestyle that pleases God, we have to live by faith. One of the things I repeat to my four-year-old before she goes to bed, you know, there's a certain thing I have her say after we pray, and I ask her, because we end our prayer saying, we, we take it, we have it, and we thank you for it. And so I ask her, why do we say we take it? She says, because God gave it to us. Why do we say we have it? Because God gave it to us. Why do we say we thank you for it? Because God gave it to us. I say, what is that called? She goes, faith. And because of her personality, she likes to add a little drama to it. She goes, hmm, faith. And I says, what does the Bible tell us? That without faith, it's impossible to please God. I said, so what does faith do? Faith makes God happy. So if we want to live a life that makes God happy, we live by faith. Faith is our part. Grace is God's part. Faith says, thank you. If someone gave you a gift, which is one of the definitions of grace, what would you say? Thank you. So I can thank God for his promises, even if it doesn't look like it showed up yet. Why? Faith, because I have faith in God, not faith in faith, I have faith in God. I have faith in his character. I have faith in his word. I have faith in what he said. And the thing is, a lot of people confuse faith with an emotion. They think, well, I don't feel faith today. Well, a lot of times, you, don't, you won't feel faith. A lot of times, you won't even feel anointed. So it's like, oh, well, you feel anointed every Sunday. <laughs> That's great, that'd be great. There are some days I've gotten up here, I'm like, okay, Jesus, you better do something, like, quick. Because I can't operate how I feel. Because if I did, there'd be some Sundays I'm still asleep. All right, well, all right, Holy Ghost, you got this, I'm staying in bed. I remember one time we had ended up driving through the night because somewhere we had to come from. And by the time I got home, it was so late. I got about an hour of sleep and I jumped up and I came to church. Now, my wife already thinks I drink enough coffee, but this was one of the only times I remember she had somebody say, go get him a Venti from Starbucks with all this extra stuff in it. He needs it. And so when I walk in the back, you know, the people who greeted me looked at like, ooh, you know, that's never positive. They look at you going, ooh. And so I get up there and none of y'all would have known the difference. Why? The anointing hit. Well, how did the anointing hit? See, when I tell you, say, I take, that is my point of contact. It's where I release my faith with the anointing that I need to deliver the message the way I should. So although it was a faith confession for many things, but it's my point of contact. It's one of the things Or Robert taught, have a point of contact. When he would pray for the sick, there was a certain point where he would release his faith for God to step in and do something. Have a point of contact. That's one of the reasons why, you know, if you have a certain prayer spot in your house, it seems like when you go to that spot, man, you just hear from God, right? Anybody have a spot like that? Why is that? Is that because that spot is special? No, that is your point of contact. You've trained yourself to believe that you hear from God when you stand in that spot or sit in that spot. You've trained your faith to work that way. Have your point of contact. Some people, it's where they walk outside. They say, well, I walk outside. I just hear from God. Now that is your point of contact. And so if you need to hear from God, you should probably take a walk. So well, is my walk holy? Well, yes and no. If you define holy as set apart as your time with God, then it is. We make some things too deep. Say it's easy to hear from God. So faith is belief, firm conviction, confidence, and assurance. It gives the essence to our hopes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, quoting the Reverend Dr. Frederick Casey Price, and when I say this quote, I usually have to give all his names. There's faith foolishness and presumption. And a lot of people claim faith, but it's foolishness. Or claim faith in its presumption. And so some people go, well, how can he be a faith person and wear a mask? The same way I can be a faith person and lock my house. The same way I can be a faith person and set an alarm. The same way I can be a faith person and have other things to defend my home. Still faith? Faith? I take my vitamins. I'm still a faith person. I take elderberry. I'm still a faith person. I exercise because I want to live long and be healthy. That's still faith. This does not mean you have no faith. We have to stop being foolish. So there's certain precautions I take. Well, do you think you're going to catch the virus? No. Well, why do you wear the mask? Because I think it's wise to do so. And also here's another reason, I love my neighbor as I love myself. So although I don't think it'll affect me, but because I love my neighbor and I'm gonna be around the elderly possibly, and be around kids possibly, and then be around civic and local leaders possibly, I have to love them and the people they're connected to enough that I'll put a mask on. I don't show my faith by not wearing a mask, that's not faith, that's pride and foolishness. And pride comes before a fall. Faith does not mean you don't wear a mask. You know, I remember Pastor Jeremy Pierce was telling this story that he had an engagement. He was gonna go preach somewhere, and I think there was a weather report. There was supposed to be some type of ice storm, and they were gonna fly there. And you know, him and his wife got together and prayed, and they says, "Well, we don't feel led that we're supposed to go." And so, you know, they called the person that says, "Oh, you know, we thought you were faith people, and that you just plead the blood and operate in Psalms 91." You know, a lot of people say, "Oh, that sounds like faith. But that's not faith." Psalms 91 is being exactly where God wants you to be. And if God tells you don't get on that plane, faith does not get on the plane. Faith keeps your butt off that plane. A lot of times we try to overrule the Spirit of God and call it faith. You say, well, it worked out for me. That wasn't faith, that was mercy. And probably a good 30 people interceding on your behalf. What is faith? Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Above all, or in front of all, take, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked." Notice, fiery darts will be fired at you. Faith does not keep all attacks from coming. Notice that. This person has a shield of faith, yet attacks are being fired. So we have to stop thinking that faith is a life where you have no problems. No attacks, no pressure. Faith is also a shield because attacks are going to come. Say, attacks are coming. We did Mark chapter 4 all throughout the summer. We know why Satan attacks, how he attacks. And so Paul uses the imagery of a Roman soldier, and you see this type of shield. It would cover about the body of the Roman soldier, which is why I changed our logo to that. It's a shield of faith. We had before what's more of a English shield, but I wanted to use exactly what Paul was referring to. It was a shield so large that it's like a door that will completely cover the soldier's body. So when the attacks were fired, remember the Bible says no weapon formed against you shall prosper, right? It never said the weapon will not be formed and never said the weapon will not be fired. It just won't be able to do it its intended attack. So what would happen when these arrows were fired, what is the purpose of the arrow? To pierce you, right? It's on fire to cause you to burn and some of them had a little bit of fuel in it to explode and cause more death on impact. So if you have a shield in front of you, now you're not pierced. Now your shield may have the damage but your body doesn't. Now if it explodes on your shield you're gonna feel some impact. But notice you're still standing. Or even if it knocked you back, you're still alive. So some of you had some attacks this year and you felt some impact, but look, you're still here. Your shield was up. And see, the thing is that arrows were meant to cause not just piercing damage, but burn damage. And there's a lot of people who are suffering from spiritual burn degrees advanced burn cases in their spirit because their shield hasn't been up. And they're trying to heal, but that wound is infected, that burn is infected, and it affects everything they do because their shield isn't up. Faith does not prevent attacks from coming, and faith does not prevent mountains from showing up, but faith knows how to remove the mountain. So I don't want you to think, Living by faith means you never will have any challenges. No, you will have some challenges. As you grow in faith, some of the challenges are bigger. As you step out to do some more things, it's bigger. Especially if you dare to believe God and build stuff and open stuff, the costs go up. And up. And up. You know, I mess with Minister Kurt very often. Because he's usually the appointed one to bring me the cost for things. I told him one time, I said, Kurt, if I roll my eyes at you, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with what's on that paper you just brought me. But if you're gonna believe God, just know, you're gonna have some challenges. You're gonna have some things to overcome. We like to say, oh, I have victory. That means you have some battles. You can't have victory with no battles. You can't overcome with no challenges. Faith overcomes. Faith gives us the victory. That's what 1 John 5 teaches us. So that means when things show up, we should know they're coming. Now, it doesn't mean you expect bad things to happen. That's taking it, you know, Dad Hagen used to say, you know, people usually get in the ditch on one side or the other. So there's one ditch, so there's no bad things happening to my life because I have faith. And the other ditch says, oh, well, bad things happen every single day. No, walked in the middle of that. God is good, he has good things for me. I do have an enemy and whenever he attacks, I'm ready for him. So expect good, but be prepared for the enemy to attack. And how, do you, how are you prepared? Thinking, oh, thinking for a demon around every stone? No, just live by faith, have a relationship with God, be in the word every day, pray in the spirit every single day. So when anything pops off, you know how to respond. And even if you have an off day where some, it somehow happened, you didn't spend the time in the Word that you knew you should have. You didn't pray like you know you should have. Something happened. The kid woke up at 3 a.m., and then the other one woke up at 5 a.m., the other one at 7 a.m., and you just trying to survive. You hear some, like, personal story in that one, right? But because in the past you put some Word in, because in the past you had spent some time, something showed up, and you were able to respond because of what you did in the past so if you miss one day it's simple don't miss two don't beat yourself up because you miss one just don't miss a second one it's a lifestyle and it takes practice to make it a lifestyle so faith is a shield go to Romans 12:3 Romans 12 verse 3. It says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now when we read this verse, people can take it to many different thought processes. You See, everybody has faith. That's not what the scripture says. That's not what it says. It says every man that's among you. Who is he talking to? Believers. So every believer has faith. Every believer has the measure of faith. Every believer is given faith. So why does it seem that some people have greater faith than others? They developed it. Faith is like a muscle. It must be developed. Faith is like a muscle. It must be developed. And if you're new to faith or haven't used your faith in a long time, don't pick up something heavy. Pastor, that's embarrassing. You better start with this so you don't hurt yourself. And be consistent with this. So one day, you can do this. And then get heavy. But one thing, you know, I notice, it'd be easy for me to do it this way. But have you ever noticed you could take the same weight and do a different exercise and there's a little bit more of a strain. So is it possible to develop one muscle in one area, but use that same arm, but not be developed in another area? So it's possible for your faith to be developed in one area, but weak in another. So that means I need to develop my faith in every area that concerns my life. And if it's a specific challenge, then that's where I focus my faith. But I need to develop my faith in every area possible. That's why we go throughout the Word of God on every single different subject we can find because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We must develop our faith in every area. Faith must be developed. So don't be jealous because someone, ooh, they got big, man, I want faith like Kenneth Copeland. Well, great. I'm sure you don't want Kenneth Copeland's bills. I'm sure you don't. Or or, I am sure you don't. Mm Mm-mm. But do you know something? One of the things a privilege of my life is growing up in the house of faith and growing up seeing these faith giants behind the scenes. And one of the things, when you get around them, they're so generous. They give away so much. No wonder they're prosperous. You've seen how much they give away. Like, I'm not on their level yet. Their, their generosity inspires me, but they've given away houses. Cars. Planes. I ain't there yet, yet. Sometimes you have to let someone else's generosity inspire you to do more. And because you get around them so say, oh yeah, you wanna do that? Let's get in faith together. They're gonna want you to use your faith. So let people who are ahead of you in this faith walk inspire you. It says, follow those who through, by their example, they live by faith and patience. Be inspired to do more. Don't say, Oh, I want their faith. Develop your own faith. And you do that by consistently working your faith. Faith must be worked. Say, Faith must be worked. Go to James chapter 2. Faith must be worked. It must be developed. One of the things about faith and living by faith, especially when it concerns finances and other things, faith is generous. Faith gives. You know, one of the things, you know, being around, you know, Bishop and Pastor Deborah, then being around my parents and around our family, I've seen how generous they are behind the scenes. And the thing is, I learned to sow because of what I saw. Before I even knew the principle, I saw it. And so one of the things I would see my parents give to people, but they didn't want people to know it came from them, so they would purposely misspell their names on the envelope. I would see my grandparents do things to be a blessing to people. I've seen Bishop and Pastor Darragh bless people who talk bad about them on social media. You know, me, you know, sometimes I wanted to have an Olivia Pope moment. I'll handle it. Because it's like... I saw all this happen, and like, but I remember how they paid off your house. You don't want to post that too? But you don't do it just so people can love you. You do it because of what God's called you to do. So don't don't let other people determine your faith or your generosity. James chapter 2. Let's look at Verse 24 One of the things we see in James chapter 2 Is examples of Abraham and Rahab Now let's back up a little bit Verse twenty two, see thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works faith was made perfect. And the scripture which fulfilled was fulfilled says Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Yet see then how that by works a man is justified, not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. That word works is also transpl- trans- translated as corresponding actions. So it's not just a good enough to have the substance and the force of faith in your heart. You must act on your faith. Abraham acted on his faith. Rahab had faith. Now, if she had faith, that means she heard the word. Now, how could this woman of Jericho, this Canaanite, hear the word? She said, when you read Joshua chapter one and Joshua chapter two, she said, we all heard how your God delivered you from Egypt, how he parted the Red Sea, how you took down Og and the other giant king who was in the area. We heard it and I know that God has given you this land. She heard and she spoke, faith must be spoken. There's no such thing as silent faith. Your faith must be said. She heard, she spoke, and then she acted upon it by protecting the two spies. She heard, she spoke, she acted. Her faith was an action. Now, it doesn't mean her lifestyle was right. No, it wasn't. But her faith, and she says, now here's what I want you to do. Here's a request. When God brings you in, because I know he's given you this land, you protect me and my family. And notice what they responded. It's because you've shown us this kindness. Anybody who's in your house will be protected. If they go into the streets, that's on them. But if they're in your house, whoever's in your house will be protected. Whatever they got will be protected. So you know Rahab may have had whatever she had to do, Tupperware party, whatever she had to say. Everybody who was in her house, her parents, her siblings, her other co-workers, everybody else, if they were there, they were protected. Oh, what's going on outside? Don't you open that door. Oh, don't you put your head out that window. If they were in the house, they were protected. Now, what was the sign of protection? That scarlet cord, a foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus. This woman's lifestyle was not righteous. But how did she get the benefits of the righteous? Her faith. And her faith, not knowing, but her faith in the blood of Jesus. It took her out of that lifestyle. It delivered her from the judgment on Jericho. Now, when you study out the Canaanites, they had many horrible, horrible practices And that's why a lot of them were losing the land. But the number one thing why they were judged is because they refused to believe. They all heard the same thing. Yet Rahab was the only one who believed. She believed what God said. She heard it. She believed. And it saved her and her family. But it didn't just stop her there. It got her outside of the lifestyle she was living in. But then it stopped her there because it said she married a prince among the people. That's what they called him. So he was not a physical prince, but he had authority and he had money. That's pretty good, her faith. Moving on up. But then they had a child by the name of Boaz, who we know, reading Ruth, had money. In a time of famine, he had the food and he had the money. It looks like it's working on the next generation. And then Boaz and Ruth get married, And they got a kid named Obed. Okay, weird name, Obed. Had a kid named Jesse. Okay, that sounds a little bit more familiar. Jesse had a son named David. Rahab's faith got her out of a lifestyle and put her in the lineage of kings. She's the ancestress of King David. But even more important than that, it put her in the lineage of Jesus. Her faith and the foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus put her in the lineage of those who have caused Jesus to be born into the earth. Your faith won't just get you out of something. It'll get you into something. And it'll get you into something good. What is faith? Go to Jude one twenty. Jude verse 20. but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. This word building can also be translated charging. Your faith needs to be charged. Say, my faith needs to be charged. And you charge your faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. The example I like to use is my phone. I have to charge my phone probably at least twice a day because of all the stuff I use it for, for recording, for stuff, random things. Have to charge it, right? If it runs out of power, my phone is not much good to me except as a paperweight. Or if I wanted to throw it at somebody, I guess. It's not much use to it unless it's charged. Same way with your faith. It won't do you much good if you don't charge it. So that's why you should spend some time every day praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Spirit. Praying in other tongues. It will charge your faith faith. Well, pastor, I don't know what I said. You don't have to always know what you said in the spirit. You can pray out an answer before it hits your head. And he says, why spend this time praying I'm not sure what it says? Just say, I take the answer by faith. I take it while it's still a mystery. And then when you need to know, you know exactly what to do. Your faith has to be charged. It has to be developed like a muscle. It's a shield. It doesn't prevent all attacks from coming. But uh, uh prevent the attack from doing what it was what it was intended to do to you. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Let's begin to bring this to a close. 2 Chronicles 14. Talking about what is faith? 2 Chronicles 14. It's talking about the reign of King Asa. And he built thin cities in Judah, verse 6. For the land had rest, and he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said unto Judah, Let us build these cities, and make about the walls and towers and gates and bars, while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of men that bare targets and spears out of Judah, 300,000, and out of Benjamin that bare shields and drew bows, 200 and fourscore thousand, so 280,000. All these were mighty men of valor. It's a pretty good army for him. And there came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian with a host of 1,000,000 and 300 chariots. So his army alone is far greater than what King Asa and his kingdom can fight. Then Asa went out array against them, and they set the battle on array in the valley of Zephthah and And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with you to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. Now, notice what King Asus said. God, there is nothing with you to save by many or save by few. For those with a lot of power or those with no power at all. So once again, examine where is your faith. So let's say the type of business in, you need a certain amount of sales or contracts to come in a month to meet your goal. How many of you have that number? How many depend on that number? Well, your is on the wrong place. Because if you depend on that exact number, so let's say that random number is 37. He says, well, I don't have 37 come in, something bad, I, I have to cut something, right? Well, what if you just had one really big sale? And that was more than 37 could do. So do you really need 37? Or you just need one? So maybe, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, just go with me for a second, just go with me. Maybe our faith is not shouldn't be in how much business we can bring in. But our faith, just maybe, can be in the God who's more than enough. Because there's nothing with him to save by many, or by few. There's nothing for him to provide for you for one customer, or 505 customers. So don't put your faith in the number of things you need to come in every month. Just put your faith in the God who provides. Now that doesn't mean you don't budget. I did not say don't budget. I did not say, or, not organize your financial life. I just put your faith in God to meet these needs and govern yourselves accordingly. Because one of the things that happens in times like these, industries change. And those who are ready introduce disruptive innovations. And when disruptive innovations are introduced, certain industries disappear. And he said, well, if my industry disappears, I can't provide for myself. It's not your job to provide for yourself. It is your job to work. God told everybody, work. But he's still your provider. So faith in God can keep you being innovative. There are people this year who, at the beginning of the year, they might not have been doing that good, but they've made more money this year than they had in their entire lives. They innovated." There are some people who, you know, bought a random stock and now they're so glad they bought that stock. Don't put your faith in what your flesh can do. Put your faith in God and let Him lead you accordingly and seek to be innovative. One of the things you've heard me say, and I've said about my personal life and about this church and things that we strive to do, we will not be blockbuster. Now, how many of you remember Blockbuster? Blockbuster was the place to go in the 90s and the early 2000s. For me and my family, like every Friday night, I got a rental, my brothers got a rental, we had pizza. It was the place to be at. But in 1998, this company began and it became a disruptive innovator. It's called Netflix. And so, not too long after it began, a couple years in, Blockbuster had a chance to buy them. But they didn't want to go for it. They said, we've always done it this way. Long story short, there's one Blockbuster store open right now. And it's actually an Airbnb right now. Because it's a store that's shut down. But they said, oh, you can rent it and have a 90s flashback night. It's in Oregon right now. No, I'm not kidding. There's literally one left. And right now it's an Airbnb. Airbnb. How did something so giant fall to that place? It did not innovate. And by the time it tried, it was too late. Don't put your faith in industry. Put your faith in God and ask for disruptive innovations and how to change and how to move with it. You know, one of the things, you know, when I began to tell you guys last year that we're going to start Faith Plus, and I'm sure there's some people like, why would you start a TV network online. I actually had one member who told me later that says, you know, we wonder, we said, we rode with it. It was like, why? People won't do online church. Why would he do that? And so we got all that work going, prepared and doing those things. And when the pandemic hit, we were ready because we had been working towards that for a year. We were ready. And so while people were trying to figure it out for a month or two, it just means Dave and I kind of worked a little harder to edit, to provide, to get all this stuff up there. We were ready because we innovated. And just from a business point of view, instead of investing more into that, we were spending so much money on our bulletins and our print work. And I know some of y'all loved your bulletin and cherished it deeply, but cutting down all those trees was expensive. So I said, we're gonna stop the bulletin and invest in this app. And because we did that over a year and a half ago, when the pandemic hit, we were ready. Don't get so married to the method. Methods can change. Methods are anointed for the moment God tells you to use it. Just like Elijah, God told him to leave the brook. And a lot of people still at that brook and still haven't gone to Zarephath that this is still our time of restoration and it's our time to advance, it's our time of acceleration, but our faith must not be in what our flesh can do or what our industry can do, but our faith in God who gives God ideas, concepts and insights and will lead us and guide us in the way we should go. So we see here Asa had a great victory, that this great army that was in front of him lost and was spoiled because Asa put his faith in God. Now, notice what Asa did in. He did not stay home. He, didn't, he had an army prepared. They went out to battle. But notice his faith was not in the army. Where is his faith? In God. Because notice this phrase he used. We rest on you. That word rest means to lean. Is also another word for trust. And so these people say, oh, faith is a crutch. You better believe it. It's something we lean on. We lean on our God. And so Asa has done all his work to be prepared as much as he can. He says, now God, we rest on you. We lean on you. We rely on you. And God gave him the victory. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but victory comes from the Lord. That's what the scripture tells us. It does not mean you don't prepare for battle. You prepare for battle. You do all the natural things, but you still expect the outcome to come from God. Go to 2 Chronicles 16. And just because you're in faith one moment doesn't mean you're going to be in faith the next. Just because you had one faith victory doesn't mean you'll have a faith victory five years from now. You have to make the decision to make faith your lifestyle, not a moment. Now, King Asa overall was a good king. Out of all the kings of Judah, he ranks one of the highest. Not the highest, but he's up there. His son even did better than him. But one of the things about King Asa later, he's had a lot of victory, a lot of prosperity. He's walked with faith for a long period of time. But in chapter 16, another army comes. And the first thing you see him do was he reaches out to some surrounding countries. The first thing he does. And says, hey, this is coming against me. I need your help a league with me, get an alliance with me. That's the first thing. Now, is it wrong to be an alliance? No. Is it wrong to make your country stronger? No. But notice what he didn't do. Trust God, rely on God, or even talk to God about it. And so in verse 7, the prophet of God, Hananiah the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, because you have relied on the king of Syria, same word for rest and trust, instead of relying and trusting and resting on God, you have rested on the king of Syria. And because you have relied, rested, and trusted on the king of Syria and have not relied, rested, and trusted on the Lord your God, therefore, as the host of the king of Syria escaped out of your hand, were not the Ethiopians, And the Lubens, a huge horse with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because you did rely on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein you have done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth, you shall have wars. Notice that. Notice what the scripture just said. That instead of trusting God, he used whatever political knowledge he had gathered. And instead of trusting God, getting his wisdom, he decided to pay his enemy off and make leagues with those around him. That he didn't trust God, rely on God, or rest on God. He trusted on what he can do. And the prophet of God said, look, because you have done foolishly, and notice what is called foolish is what some worldly people would have called wisdom. And it's because you did not rely on God, you're going to have wars here on out. Because he didn't trust in God. He didn't rely on God. But notice something else, a famous scripture to a lot of us. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. God is looking throughout the earth for people whose heart's perfect for him. And in context, looking at chapter 14, chapter 16, what is this context? Those who will rest on God. Those who will rely on God. Those who have faith on God. Even as we quoted earlier, Jesus said, when he comes back, he's looking for faith on the earth. And so God wants to show himself strong on behalf of those who keep their heart right and those who are willing to rest on him, trust him, rely on him. So are there some victories and horrors we missed out on because we decided to do what we thought was wise instead of laying and relaxing and leaning on the everlasting arms? Are there some battles in our life today because yesterday we didn't lean on God? Your faith today affects outcomes tomorrow and beyond. You have to make the habit every day, lean on God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Don't even lean on what you can think. Yes, use your brain, but that's not should be your primary source to hold you up. It's faith in God. And you rewire your thinking and your understanding to the word of God. So your mind thinks according to the word of God. Go to 2 Kings 18.5, and I believe we're close here. What is faith? It is trust, it's reliance, it's resting on God. I've heard a man of God say this way, one of the highest levels of faith is rest. One of the highest levels of faith is rest. A lot of us have lost rest this year not because of a lot of work we've done, but because of anxiety and stress. Some of you need to be like Jesus and take a nap. In the middle of the storm, what was Jesus do? Sleeping. The disciples woke him up. Don't you care that we're going to die? Can't you imagine how you look if someone woke you up like that? I can only imagine the look of Jesus. Like, bruh, Really? And the thing is, it talks about how the boat was full of water. So Jesus might be floating on a pillow. Imagine this with me. He's not out, could be snoring. On this pillow, floating back and forth. And imagine Peter and John and James rushing through all that water. Don't you care, we're about to die. Dude, get out of my face. Jesus walked through all that water. But also remember, there was already a miracle happening. Because if a boat gets full of water, what happens? But yet their boat was still going. Don't get so distracted by the storm, you missed a miracle in motion. And so he walks through all the water, gets to the edge, and he says, it says he rebuked the wind and said, peace, be still. Otherwise he just said, shh, calm that down. The wind stopped, the wave stopped, and it was a calm. And he looked at him and says, why didn't you have any faith? Meaning y'all could have handled this. I could still be sleeping. This is not something you had to wake me up for. Why? He just taught them Mark 4 that day. He told them the enemy will attack. He told them how the kingdom works, so he fully expected that they could handle it. But they got distracted by the storm. It was an invisible storm. I get it. If a storm suddenly came out of nowhere and there's no rain, it didn't say it was raining. It said it was a windstorm and the waves were getting into the boat. I'm sure that would perplex many people. But notice, he expected their faith to handle it. But they became in anxiety and they began to question the care of Jesus. And that's what anxiety will do, it will cause you to question the care of your God. You know, when there were, the other time there was a storm when Jesus walked on the water and Peter began to sink, don't be so hard on Peter because at least he walked on the water. How many of you walked on some water? No, he, at least he walked, but he got distracted by the wind or the waves. But have i asked you this before, is it easier to walk on calm water or rough water? It doesn't matter, you can't do it. Doesn't matter if it's rough water or calm water, that's irrelevant. Too many times we get distracted by the irrelevant. So he took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. He didn't sink all the way. He didn't drown. It says he began. But at least Peter was wise enough to pray a very good prayer. Help me, Lord. That's a good prayer. Some of y'all instead of cussing should say, help me, Lord. Another message. And Jesus caught him. And they walked back to the boat and told Peter, Come on, dude, why didn't you have faith? Made it personal. Peter, you know better. Where was your faith? And could it just be during this whole storm of the pandemic and everything we've seen in 2020? Jesus looking at you is like, Dude, where's your faith? How long have you been in a church that taught faith? How many faith, mes- faith messages have you heard? How many times have you gone through your Bible? Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Second Kings 18.5. Talking about King Hezekiah. It says, He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah nor any that were before him. Out of all the kings of Judah, Hezekiah had more success and more victory even beyond Asa and Jehoshaphat who were really good kings. And why? Because of the way he trusted and relied on God. Now, I said, trust and rely on God does not mean you don't use your brain and you don't work. But as you go throughout the day, you're trusting him. You're acknowledging him. God, how should I handle it? Should I do how you showed me last time or should I change it? God, how should I address this customer? God, how should I handle this? And you check it in quickly on the inside. God, they're popping off. What should I do? You've redeemed me, but my flesh is saying, trying to quote L.L. Kudre with them. Mama said, knock him out. I really want to lean to the spirit of L.L. Kudre right now. You're acknowledging him trust in him. You're following him. And if you dare, just ask, okay, God, you've met all my needs, and I'm good, but I think I should make some more money this year. What's your plan for me to do it? Then do it. Because, you know, there is a year after this one. It's called 2021. Life still keeps going. God has a plan. But have you asked him about his plan? See, something about this year has exposed where our faith has been. With all the things we're facing, where's your faith? And too many people, sadly too many Christians, their faith is in political parties. Now, I believe in voting. I believe in researching. I watch both conventions. I read platforms, and I will vote. Well, who are you voting for? I ain't telling you. Because I'm not called to preach the donkey or the elephant. I do believe in researching. I do believe in studying out the different issues on both sides. I do believe in voting. I vote in the local elections, state elections, and the national elections. But my faith is not in a politician. One thing will save America is an awakening to God, not a candidate being in the White House or in the Congress. Yes, there are different elections that can make some things easier for us. And yes, we should study out those things and research those things. But our faith can't be in them. Because doesn't Psalm tells us, trust not in princes? So why is our faith in them? Doesn't Jeremiah 17 say, curse is the man who puts his trust in the flesh and departs from the Lord? How many of us are being empowered to fail, because that's what curse means, because we have so much faith in these politicians? Our faith has to be in God. Do you care who's going to win? Not in the way that I'll be anxious if one side wins and one side doesn't. No. Why? My faith is in God. Oh, this is the most important election in our lifetime. They've said that about every election. I still remember before I could vote. This is the most important election in our lifetime. Four years later, this is the most important election in our lifetime. Look, y'all. Research, vote, above all things, have faith in God. You know, when my wife and I vote, we'll vote as we're led after we've done our research and prayer, but we just count our ballot as a seed. Oh God, this is who we believe we're supposed to vote for, so we vote not in reliance on them, knowing that no matter what happens, you got us. And so when the elections decided, that just lets me know who I focus on in prayer. Because regardless who wins, I will pray for them. Because that's what God told us to do. Why I don't like them? Then pray in the Holy Ghost for them. So I can't speak well of them. First, you need to check your own heart. Two, pray in tongues for them. Just call out their name and pray in the Spirit. Stop being so caught up with American culture that you bow down to Babylon. Because if you bow, you'll burn. But if you don't bow, you can't burn. It'll be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, the situation wasn't ideal. But notice who was walking with them. They had to walk through that fire. But they came out not smelling like smoke. Faith may not keep you from being thrown in the fire, but it'll keep you while you're in the fire. Faith has some keeping power. It has some preserving power. Because your God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, which also means he's the God of the middle. He's got you through things in the past. What makes you think this year is beyond his power? As he told Moses and Abraham, has my arm waxed short? Has my hand lost its power? No, it hasn't. Keep your faith in God. This is still your year of restoration and transformation. And that's why we're going to take these 31 days to pray in October. Because it's time for restoration and advancement. There's some big things I'm believing for. Some things like, Pastor, you must have lost your mind if you think you'd do that during a pandemic. Well, I did. I got the mind of Christ. I just dare to believe God. And I dare you to believe God for your individual life, for your family, for everything that concerns you, to rely and trust on God. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Or as another translation translations, faith is what brings the world to its knees. And it's time for us to be faith people because we are faith. That's who we are. So that's what we need to do. Amen. Stand to your feet. Father, we thank you because you are good and your mercy endures forever. We trust and rely on you. As the old song says, we lean on the everlasting arms, safe and secure from our alarm We rest upon you as Asa and Hezekiah did. We put our faith in you. Help us, because we can't do this by ourselves. Help us to be faith people. Help us to live the lifestyle of faith every single day. So we can see in our lives what you promised us. And beyond that, we know this is the life that pleases you. And we want to live in a way that makes you happy. Because you've been so good and kind to us. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that it empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.